0: Hey everyone, we hope you're having a great week. My name is Eric Johnson, and along with my wife, Candace, we are the lead pastors of Studio. We are based in Greenville, South Carolina, and we just want to take a moment and say hello and say thanks for listening to this podcast. So with that, let's get right to it. If you want to open your apps or your Bibles or your neighbor's phones or whatever Bible you have access to right now, I want you to open up to Genesis chapter 1. I have a really simple message, simple talk tonight, and we're just going to take a few minutes just to kind of unpack it, and uh, really looking forward to next week, because Candice is preaching next week, so make sure you come back for that, and looking forward to that. In Genesis 1, we're going to pick up in the very first verse in Scripture, so let's read this together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. We're going to stop right there. This is a really dark and mysterious and kind of moody and broody kind of verse, and I don't mean dark in an evil sense, but just it's so mysterious, it's just... uh, it's not vague, but it feels vague. There's so much going on here, and I just want to take a moment. I realize many of you have read this verse before. Some of you haven't read it in a while, but it's one of those passages that the more you read it, the more you get to realize how, how wild it is and how deep it is and how we actually don't really fully understand what's taking place here. What we do know is that God has no beginning and no end. So every object, every, everything that's in existence, water and space and all these things that are mentioned in these two verses, God actually already had created. It wasn't like God was just there and all of a sudden he stumbled upon water and a void. He, he actually created this. And what I love about this passage is he's actually described as he hovered above this. Now, we may wonder, like, what was God hovering for? I mean, what did it look like when God hovered? I don't know if you thought about that. I'm sure it's pretty cool. He's just kind of there. But I can't help to wonder what was going through his mind or what was going through him. Like, why was he hovering? And I I can't help to wonder if it was because he was determining what he was going to create. And I I don't think he just off the cuff just said, well, just this will happen. I think he was waiting and he was thinking and he was pondering. And he was looking at the ramifications. If I go this route, this happened. If I go this route, this happened. Or if I put the two together, then this happened. God was hovering over the substances that he had already created. But there was no form. There was no meaning. There was no purpose. it, it described as the dark void. And so we have this moment. I, I want to highlight this for a second because this is the beginning of creation. God is the master creator. He's brilliant, intelligent. he incredibly smart and incredibly wise. And it's not that he inhibited all those virtues. He is the virtue. It, it, there's no words in, bless you, Emily, that was a, an amazing sneeze. I, I'm going to wrap that into the message somehow tonight, you know, but we're just going to move right on now. I love you, Emily. That was, just, that was so fun to just say all that. So God in this moment is, is he determining what he's creating. And what's fascinating to me is that there's no words in any language that's ever been created or any language that will ever be created to accurately describe how creative God is. I mean, creation is the masterpiece of all masterpieces. I mean, you know it's a masterpiece when it produces this much life. It's not static on a wall. It's not static in stone, as beautiful as those objects can be. This is the masterpiece of all masterpieces. I mean, one of the cool things that we got to experience in moving to this part of this country is, I remember vividly, Candace and I were just, you know, we just moved, and we landed in Greenville, and one of the first things we did once we got unpacked, and we wanted to get out, and we've been stuck in a U-Haul for five days, and so we went for a bike ride. And we took our bike downtown, Greenville, on the Swamp Rabbit Trail. While on the way home, and it was getting dark and late. We're like, we got to get back. Because the rule is you can't be on the Swamp Rabbit Trail past 9 p.m. I don't know if they enforced it, but we didn't want to find out. So we're like, we got to get home. So we're <laughs> racing home, and it's getting dark. And all of a sudden, these little lights started appearing along the trail. I thought, oh, my gosh, I, I forgot. There's fireflies here. I mean, how cool is it that God created these little bugs that light their butts up? When they mate. I mean, I just think that's the oddest, coolest thing God's created. He's like, hey, I got to have an idea. I'm gonna create this little bug that's insect that's gonna fly and they're gonna light up their butt to attract other bugs. I mean, this is God. God is just in his creativity, it's hovering above the water and begin to create everything that we know exists. You see, creation is a place where the ingredient to create exists. I want you to hold on to that thought as we talk throughout this evening. Understand that God puts the ingredients in front of you so you can create. Everything you need to create in your life, it's actually at your disposal. It's within reach. If you want to go a little bit farther down to verse 27 of the same chapter, Genesis chapter 1. We're going to skip the primarily about six days of creation for the most part. And we're going to jump right to verse 27 and it reads this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Let's read that last part again. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Other translations say it this way. Be fruitful and multiply fill the earth, and take dominion. This is where the human story gets incredibly interesting. It, it, it's good for us to ask, what does it mean to be fruitful and multiply? And that's something that everyone here really does understand, especially at studio. There, there's a very high understanding grasp of what it means to be fruitful and multiply. Now, if you're new to studio, it's a kind of a joke, not a joke. It's a joke about our reality. We have 368 kids under the age of 10. Wow. That's a lot of fruitful and multiplying. That's just a lot. And there's a lot more coming. And it is a beautiful sign of life. It's, 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 one, of our, it's one of our purest forms of joy around here, seeing the amount of children. This gathering is a lot different than the 4 o'clock. If you've never been to the 4 o'clock... You should definitely come someday because it is full of life because we understand what it means to be fruitful and multiply. So that's not the part I'm going to emphasize tonight. Tonight I want to actually talk about fill the earth, subdue it. We can talk about that at another time. (laughs) Fill the earth and subdue it. That's the part I want to just kind of hone in on and just kind of hang on to. Fill the earth and subdue it. The other translations say take dominion. It's really interesting when you take this idea of be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, take dominion, or subdue it. It's interesting because every person's personality will look at that and implement that differently. And history has story after story of that's why the human story is so interesting, especially in the Christian faith, that we hear that phrase. And depending on how you're wired and your personality and a mixture of all the other things, you carry that out a certain way. For example, if someone is a narcissist and they read that phrase, I guarantee you the entire story of how they fill the earth and subdue it involves them. The whole story revolves around them, involves them, and they're in charge of the story. And it requires them to be in charge, and so much so that they make sure their desires become your desires. And that's the, that's the frailness of, of humanity. We all have our broken parts of us, and we're doing our best to carry out this, subdue the earth, fulfill it, take dominion. But then let's take a passive-aggressive personality. Passive-aggressive personalities, when they hear that, they're thinking, "Oh, everybody, yeah, you just, everybody's fine, now, this is good, this is good. And then all of a sudden, that person has had it because it doesn't look like justice or order to them. So they explode in some intense, deep emotion, and they let everybody know, and they put everybody back on their place, and then they go back to being, okay, it's all good now, we're all good. That's a passive-aggressive personality when you have to do with dominion, subduing and filling the earth. And then you have others that are just like you're uninterested. Some personality just don't care, and when you have that kind of personality, you just don't care. Then guess who creates the world? The one that I just mentioned. And then sometimes that makes you really interested. You're like, wait a second, I didn't care about this, but now I really do care about this. And so it's really fascinating when you look at the different personalities. Another one is highly conscientious. If you're a highly conscientious person and you really care what people think, you will make sure everyone's happy as you try to figure out how to fill the earth and subdue it. Why am I pointing this out? Because we're all doing our best. I know there's a lot of other personalities I didn't even touch on, but we're all doing our best to fill the earth and subdue it. And there are some broken parts of us, and that's not the main emphasis of the top. But I want you to understand something, that God created something, and he told us to fill it. He created a world, and he said, fill it. Fruitful, multiply, and fill it. This is important because there's this pervasive attitude in today's psyche that think just be. And I love it, you know, just be, that's fine, but it's so pointless. It's so meaningless. It feels good at the moment because we're just being, but there's no action. And that scares me, it concerns me because it's actually watering down what it actually means to follow Jesus. And it's a challenge, I get it complex, the other complexity of this it's specifically in the era that we are living in. There's such a politicization of everything. So now our faith is wrapped up in a political party. And if our party wins, then we can finally take dominion and fill the earth. So now we've got that issue that we're all navigating. No matter what side of the aisle or whether you like aisles or not, doesn't matter. We're all navigating this very complex reality. And my fear is this, my concern is this, is that we do nothing. Because we're like, I don't want to do, so I'm just gonna be. I'm just gonna be a pure postmodern self and be. And yet we have instruction from the beginning of mankind where God says, hey, I need you to fill this space. I need you to happen in this space. Are you guys with me tonight? But let's go back. I'm sorry, I, I got a little rabbit troll. Let, let, let's go back to the moment of the creation story. When you go a little bit farther in chapter one and chapter two, there's this point where God is conversing with Adam, and he creates Eve, and that's a bizarre story. And how that happened, it's really cool, but it, it is bizarre. Let's just be honest. And, and God creates the Garden of Eden, and he put Adam and Eve in the middle of a garden, and then he tells them one set of instructions. One at least don't instruction. And it was, hey, there's a tree over here. Don't eat of this tree. And that was it. But everything else, man, have at it. Go for it. Isn't it interesting that we all know that, especially parents of children, you tell your kid not to do something, and they tend to want to do that very thing. Hey, you can't have a cookie. Well, that's all I want now. I just want a cookie. It's so funny that that's just how we're wired. I just think it's intriguing that God, I think God understood that. I don't think he's like, oh, I didn't realize that. That's asked what they wanted. I think he's actually testing you, testing your ability to have any form of self-control. But he said, don't eat of this tree. That right there is the dominant source code in all of the, everything in existence is that phrase right there. Don't eat of this tree. You know what the source code is behind that comment, that statement? Love. Love is actually behind the very statement, "Don't eat of this tree." Because what God is doing, he's building into the DNA, the source code of everything in existence. you have a choice, that actual love to give you a choice. Do you know there's one thing God doesn't own in all of the universe? There's only one thing He doesn't own. It's your choice. Everything else he owns, he controls, he can do whatever you want, but he can't force you to make a choice. Just sit on that for a second. The only thing God doesn't own in all of the universe is your choice. So that is the highest form of love is to say, don't eat of this tree. And obviously we see expression of that love all the way to the cross from the death and the resurrection. But the point is this written into the very code was, you have a choice. It's like God saying, I don't want you to have a future where you have no choice. Some of you need to hear this tonight. Some of you have been told and taught and experienced like, I don't have a choice. I just sit and let things happen. And God's like, no, you have a choice. You get to choose. Believe it or not, you actually get to choose the kind of future you step into. There's other factors at play. They're they're the guy out there named the devil. He's working hard to ruin your life and your future. But guess what? You still have a choice. Even in the midst of all the demonic pressure, demonic attack, in spite of all that, you still have a choice. And this is written into the source code of your existence, is love, and he, you now have a choice. It's fascinating. And just because you have a choice, it doesn't mean every decision is the right decision. And this is the challenge. We live in a day and age where we, we are making decisions that don't actually lead to life, they lead to death. And, and what we do now is we now have given ourselves the ability to redefine the road to justify our decisions. Oh, that doesn't lead to death, so I'm just going to redefine it. But what I want you to understand is God's created this space and he wants you to fill it and he's given you the choice. So as I was kind of just preparing my heart for 23, I've never been a guy that picks a word and said, this is the word for the year. And I'm not talking about a prophetic word or a word from God. I'm talking about just a word, like uh, here's a word. I've never been that guy. But for some reason, a 23 crept up on us. And as we were navigating, not navigating, we were celebrating our daughter's engagement, which is still really cool. We, we actually have, almost have a son-in-law, by the way. My candidacy was like, you are the best son I've ever had the only one he've ever had. So we were in the middle of that, but at 23, it was crawling closer and closer, like, what? I feel like there's a word. And I kind of felt this word expanse, expanse. And I remember my mind wanted to go to the word expand, but it kept, go- well, that's not the word, it's expanse, but I kept going back and forth between, exp- I think it's expand, like expand. It's like, no, it's expanse. I remember a few days of just kind of arguing with myself over two words. Which one is it? I think it should be the expand, but it's supposed to be expanse. So I looked it up, and it's really simple, but actually, they're similar, but they're very different. There's actually a lot of nuance between expanse and expand. And expand means to become larger. It's to grow in volume, to grow in size. But expanse is an area, a defined space. So there's a difference between growing larger and getting bigger. And sometimes most of our motivational talks are, like, get bigger, become stronger, find out who you are. And that's all beautiful, but that's not what the word expanse means. So this is why it led me back to God hovering over the water and created everything in creation. And then he instructs us, you have a choice and I want you to fill it. So as we go into 23, this is my exhortation. This is my encouragement to us as a church is that God has created an expanse, and he wants us to go into it and fill it. He wants us to step into spaces and to fill them, not just get bigger where we are, but to step into the expanse and fill it. And here's the challenge, is most of the world is still recovering from a lot of fear, Most of the world is still recovering from, including everyone in this room. It's like, I don't want to set my hope too high because if I do, I've been doing that and it just keeps bottoming out, keeps failing. So I'm going to have no expectation. I'm going to have no faith and I'm just going to let life happen. And I feel like we have to make a major adjustment inside our soul to begin to expect again. To begin to actually believe for the impossible to take place. And to be realized that God has called us to step into the expanse of his creation and actually fill it, to bring hope, to bring life, to bring beauty, to bring joy. I mean, just start with those things. And we live in a society now that has trained us. We've been conditioned to hold back, hold your cards close. And honestly, maybe that was the, maybe that was the strategy that was supposed to work for a couple of years, but it ain't the strategy anymore. I hope you're with me tonight. The strategy now, we need to take up space and fill it. Could God know, if he lives in you, guess what's going to happen when you step into those spaces? He's going to happen. Life, beauty, hope, joy, healing, restoration, all those things take place. And what a perfect time in human history to step into the expanse and see joy reintroduced into humanity again. To see hope released back into the soul of humanity. What a perfect time to step into the expanse and fill it. So my exhortation to you tonight is this. This year, it's about you stepping into new spaces. Some of you are designed to create those spaces and step in it. Some of you have ideas right now that you're not sure if you should do them and act on them. I just want to say yes. I love sometimes when you pray to God and he just says yes. And I feel like that's what's happening. God's saying yes. To what? I don't know. Just yes. So 23 is the year of stepping into the expanse and filling it. This last week, we had a, a new friend. I met him about a year and a half ago. Our friendship developed over phone calls and Zoom calls. He's from Scotland. And because of COVID and all the different things that have happened, he hasn't, we kept missing our, cross, our path, didn't quite cross. And so he was uh, doing kind of an East Coast break. He wanted to get out of the cold Scottish air and wanted to spend some time in Miami and then as he crawled up into Greenville, that was when the freeze hit, you know, just freezing last week. And he ended up in, you know, up in, I think, New York. And i like, man, you came on the wrong week to get away from the, the cold. But this guy, and it's hard to describe him, but he, he's, uh, he's one of the best people I've ever talked to when it comes to understanding the human element of leadership. And the, the human soul, I mean, this guy is just top-notch. It would blow your mind who we get the privilege to work with, and a friend had introduced me to him, and we become, we talk about every month. So he was in Greenville this last week, and I had a meet with our team, and just to kind of talk about the shadows, and talked about, I don't want to get into it too much, because maybe someday we'll unpack it, but talked about each part of us has a shadow. There's shadows in our soul that we don't want anybody to see. It's the, it's the thing, the parts of us that are like, eh, I'm good. I'm going to keep that. So we just shine our lights a little brighter so no one pays attention to that. And oftentimes, the more influence, the more attention, the more success, the more things grow, the shadows get louder, but so does the light. You just make sure the light's really bright. And his whole approach is beautiful. He said, 90% of the shadows of our soul, it's actually gold. Some of the best art and creativity comes out of these shadows, but we've been told to don't address the shadows. So we spent a whole day with him, Candace and I, and then he spent an evening with our team, and he said a couple things, and, and I want to bring this phrase into this moment because I talked about expanses on the outside of us, the external world, but I believe there's expanses in our soul that need to be stepped into. And this is one of the statements he said, there's a redemption story for every aspect of your heart. And some of you, I want you to just write that down, like put it on your bathroom mirror. Do something to remind yourself as you step into the expanse of your soul this year and you address those lifelong wrestlings that maybe you don't have the skill set Or maybe you just don't know what to do with the inner depths of your soul. You're like, eh, that's scary stuff. I'm just going to stay on top. But I'm telling you what, that's where the Lord wants you to step into this year and address that stuff. And write this down. There's a redemption story for every aspect of your heart. There's redemption for everything. And it's another thing. He says, sin are those parts of our nature that is hiding from God's grace. There are parts of our heart, there's parts of our lives that are hiding from the grace of God so we can't quite get set free from them. And now the year to let them come to light. Let God highlight those areas of our life that we've been so scared to even talk about or address. And my heart is that you wouldn't just step into the expanse that God created and filled it, but you would step into the expanse of your soul so he can fill it. I'm going to end with a a phrase, uh, a blurb that Luke sent me earlier today. And I'm going to read it to you um, by a guy named John Ruskin. When we build, let us think that we build forever. Let it not be for present delight nor present use alone. Let it be such work as our descendants will thank us for. And let us think as we lay stone on stone that a time is to come when those stones will be held sacred, because our our hands have touched them. And that many will say, as they look upon the labor and wrought substance of them, see, this is what they did for us. I want to end with this. We need to think that everything we do in our life now is for a generation we will never see. You need to live your life with this in mind. It's not just for me and my family, my friends, or myself. He says, actually, what I'm doing is I'm putting stone upon stone. The decisions I'm making, the hard decisions I'm making, the sacrifices, the place I sow, the place I take risk, all of this activity is actually for a generation that isn't alive today. And I want each and every one of us to recognize that God is calling us into the expanse to fill it, calling it to the expanse of our soul so he can fill it. And then he wants us to recognize that everything we do is actually for another generation that we don't even know exists yet. So why don't you stand? Thanks for listening. And we hope this talk benefits you in every way possible. For more information about Studio, you can go to studiogreenville.com or go to Instagram to and look for studio.greenville. We would also love it if you would leave a review and hit those five stars. Other than that, have a great week, and we'll see you soon.